We are recording. And I have a notebook for today. Excellent. I'm just going to do a better job of, uh, you know, um, keeping track of some of my thoughts. And uh, I just found that I'm uh, starting to lose a little on the uh, range that I have of uh, those five things after a question that I just want to eloquently put in order. So I'm going to going to go back to to analog and start putting some things down on paper again while it still exists yes before we're all neuralinked up and paper yeah i mean i guess the other option would be for me to type it out with another machine as we're discussing it right but yeah my skills on typing brain to typing and listening is not high enough but i can still do little notes and listen at the same time so i think actually i got that practice from consulting with people where I had to learn how to be really good with that, like just take that down, but also stay uh, engaged with the conversation and attentive. Yeah. Um, I want to mention too, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead, please. I want to mention the uh, podcast today is sponsored by uh, OPEC CCP Digital Immersion, which is happening today and tomorrow. Um, coaches worldwide participating in two days. <laughs> of uh, coming together in a virtual world um, to talk about things like, you know, how does this uh, education of fitness help you in impact and other things? So that's who sponsored our episode today. It's an awesome experience. Brandon and I did it last, uh, last fall. And if you guys haven't done it, you should do it. That being said, you may need a time machine because when people hear this, <laughs> it won't be four weeks hence. That's but right. That's right. That's okay. Because our yeah. podcast will be, it will be like, remember we said 2199. Yes. This is going to be on the loudspeaker. It's going to be the call uh-huh. to prayer. Uh-huh. And when will time travel back? <laughs> is that an elk? No, that's the, that's the speaker for fitness. <laughs> And creative thought. <laughs> My gosh, it sounds like a squealing elk. Um, what episode is this? 25, 26? Uh, 26. 26? Yeah. Matt's Nasland was uh, number 26 with Montreal Canadiens. Uh, fantastic number. Also divisible by that crazy number 13. Another interesting point of 26. True. I'm sure the 26th floor at a high rise somewhere in New York city is pretty cool. And I guarantee you somewhere in New York city on the 26th floor, there's a Peloton next to the window. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. What was your 26 like for you? That was 2000 year 2000. So I didn't even think I was going to exist. (laughs) I thought when the clock changed, like ah yeah, right, okay <laughs> everything worked out 26 Whew, 26 was a great year um i was in uh calgary uh building the business and one year deep into this whole thing called opex on my own just figuring things out at the time i worked in a uh imperial oil um, corporate fitness center. I managed that as a professional fitness and lifestyle consultant. That was my title. And, uh, I was pretty bored. 
It was a good year. A very good year. Yeah, lots of, ironically, this book right here, see this book called Training? Very eloquent. Um, has workouts from the year 2000. Really? Wow. Let's, let's go back and see what I was doing uh, at that uh, in 2000. You ready for one? Just one yeah, yeah, workout? Thanks. All right. Let's do this. Even with the dates, that would be like higher order. Let me find something here. Oh, yes. February the 6th. I did three exercises on that day. Snatch, snatch pulls, and I supersetted Airx jump pad jump you know the erex uh, pads those blue soft pads i don't think i've seen those or maybe i have but don't recognize the name somehow i did what's called erex single leg jumps apparently it was helping my snatch pulls because i supersetted it so i did snatch first exercise looks like i did one two three four five six seven seven sets uh and then snatch pulls four heavy sets and four Eric's jump pad, single leg activity. That's what I did. I'm wondering, you know, what I should have done is gone, try to find uh, what day is it today? May or April 30th, April 30th. It'd be really cool is to go back to age 26 on that day and see anyways. So that's what I, I was, when I was 26. I was wondering, uh, were there, the proto versions, like the philosophical questions, like were there little notes below that, like, why am I doing speed strength right now? Let's see. I think at that time, I probably was doing some contemplation, right, of, you know, how does this fit into fitness? What, you know, why do that? But it looks like I did it, looks like I did a similar style of workout uh, a week prior. Looks like January 29th, I did something similar to. So I probably was in um, some form of linear progression of that strength speed idea, I think. Yeah. So anyways. I just found my wad book in the basement not too long ago from like 2011, 2012, when I was doing CrossFit football and the SWAD and the DWAD or the SWAD and the DWAD, <laughs> the strength wad and the daily wad. And uh, yeah, fun to go back and the wads. Yeah. Crazy times. Good times. Good times. Yeah. All right. We're on to part two. Yes. Right. Experience. Mm. Experience and fitness. So obviously experience has been a, a topic that we've talked about quite a lot um, in previous episodes. And James, I know you've personally talked about that, that quite a bit. So um, yeah, with regards to physical expression and coaching experience, right. how it ties in. So just a quick refresher for people of like how we're framing this basically in, in philosophy, there's there uh, for a long time was a question about, where does our knowledge come from? Is it, is it solely from experience? Um, 
are we blank slates? Uh, I, I think I forgot to mention this last time, but but Steven Pinker, is the book called The Blank Slate? I want to say it is or something similar. Yeah, I've heard this reference upcoming, but I can't remember the book. Um, where he basically talks about, you know, in sort of a modern day cognitive psychology sense how we are not in any way, shape or form purely blank slates. There's a lot of data we get from experience, but um, there's a whole slew of innate, um, whether you want to call it innate knowledge or certain um, functions of our brain that make it such that we're able to even interpret and process that data. So, you know, this, this really goes back to Plato and Aristotle. Plato famously thought that there's a lot that we learned from experience, but there's a lot of things like logic and math and geometry and I guess we could call it theology back then, but of course it's not, you know, it's ancient Greece, so it's not monotheistic theology, uh, morality, all these different things, whereas Aristotle was pretty closely aligned with the notion of um, modern empiricism. He was a scientist and things like that, so drawing more heavily from experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll reference that book inside of it. I also want to make mention that uh, experience is the first, uh, it has 10 letters and uh it's the first 10 workouts that we get new ccp coaches to do uh when they come into the ccp program yeah. call it's called experience called the opex experience i guess higher order we could have called it opex experience but the double p is just jam, jam, jammy jams jams the brain jams the tongue so we called it opex experience yeah, and I mean that that gets to a point that we've talked about philosophically before, where you know it's it's one thing to look at a workout on a piece of paper to program for someone, but to actually feel it in person and to yeah know. yeah we do that too yeah we do that too uh, um, well I do it because I know that it opens up it opens up good questions for the coach so. Uh, maybe this lends into stuff we'll discuss today, but uh, it, the like the doing of it, um, if if the if the if good intentions are inside of the experience, and then there's questions asked on the other side, it makes people go, "Wow!" When I share how I felt with it, and then I see others share how they felt about it, everyone is really different. That's the that's the biggest aha moment is the is not only like you know where do i sit in this thing but this recognition if i want to pass that information on is like holy crap like not everyone's going to get feel it the same way i do you know so that's the deepest reason behind it is to give people uh this aha moment right that it's like you're very unique and let's honor that like this is what you're capable of right now this is why you felt what you did you know, but everyone else is going to be slightly different than that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very interesting practical on the ground thing that I, I actually, I talk about with Brandon, um, you know, fairly regularly. It's this notion of like, on the one, on, on the one hand, of course, like metabolically, most humans are going to get more of a response from a one minute all out bike test than they are from a, um, 
you know, a one minute leisurely walk. But, but that being said, within that, there's this, you know, there, like you said, there's these ranges of experiences and just practically as a coach, there's always this question of like, you know, Brandon and I will have this discussion about, well, you know, put yourself in the the client's shoes and try to think about how they feel. But of course, what something is going to feel like for me in training is going to be quite different from what it is for someone, someone else. So just that, that balance of like, what is objectively true for humans, generally speaking, metabolic pathways, and then like subjectively, what about this person? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I continue that story on, I love the, uh, the thoughts you guys are having on that. I continue that story on, which brings back to why I love fitness because the training practice of it generally reveals what is exactly happening. You know, so if you continue to do it with repetition, consistency, uh, awareness, et cetera, you come to an understanding as to how that affected the person, right? So yeah, in one case scenario, it's very different, you know, 20 people, eh, not really sure, but let's just keep repeating that. And then eventually we'll see how, how it gets uh, more and more individualized, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So the central focus, the central question we're going to be asking here is, you know, what's the ultimate source of our knowledge? Is it, is it mainly experience? Is it experience plus some innate knowledge or instinct that we have and tying this question into fitness and health that we discussed last time, you know, there's this question of, are there any aspects of our knowledge of fitness and health that are innate instinctual um, and what are the implications of that? And then what do we learn from experience? And as we'll talk about, one of the interesting things that we ended on last time was, you know, for as much as we've talked about experience and as much as you've talked about experience, we actually ended the last episode by saying to a large extent, what you need to know in fitness is already inside you in terms of, you know, the, the primal movement patterns, you know, a human instinctively knows how to run, they know how to walk, they know how to bend, jump, squat, all these different things. And experience merely serves in a certain way as a refinement of that. It'll help you do it better, um, you know, as you encounter new terrain and other things like that. But the the basics of fitness are kind of there biologically uh, in, inside you. So today, a really interesting question that we'll get to is like, what contributions experience making and how do we balance that with what is inside of us? Yeah, I had a good, I had a good time. Uh, <laughs> I had a good time after the last podcast on that, just thinking about uh, where I went to think about it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I always use the lens of, you know, in the presence of current culture and environment, Imagine that what is, because remember, I, I still believe it's highly, you know, what we're talking about with fitness. Uh, we need to be better with this, Robbie, over time with words, but it does also involve this concept of physical activity, daily movement, you know, and I think when you add those words to it, then you can say, as I was mentioned in my lens, I've had, I have a real cool time uh, over the past couple of weeks thinking about that is, um, you know, how about multiple different environments, you know, that someone is born into and, you know, how much is that, is that pull around the, the culture and the environment at the current time and year, you know, 
that they're born into, how much does that determine, you know, what they're, what they, what they think they know or what they come to know with regards to physicality and movement. <clears throat> and I just want to make mention of that, that it's a good place for people to contemplate and go think about, you know, a young child in a tribe in, in uh, South America, you know, uh, how about, uh, you know, uh, a child in a, uh, a impoverished community in, uh, in some, some area in Africa. How about, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, you know, an affluent, highly accessible community to let's call it everything today, somewhere else, you know, uh, just, and, and then, and then use that as an idea in 2021 and say in the year 1642, what, what was the, you know, what was the culture and the, and the environment that led to, again, the same thing, right? Like, what do they come to know that they are physical, you know, physicality? It could have been kicking a ball around in the street or stickball. I'm not sure what the games were <laughs> back then, but you get my point. There was no wheels then, <laughs> pushing wheels, right. all those wheels. Then. You get my point. So, um, you know, so, and then, and then I, uh, I also uh, uh, wrote this story in my head, <laughs> uh, a fitness fable of sorts. <laughs> That, uh, that said, you know, um, th this, uh, and I try not to create any timelines on it, but <clears throat> I wrote this story of this Tarzan-like figure <laughs> who, who was born and captured all this knowledge that was necessary in whatever education was needed for it, but never had any, any uh, access to what is considered the, the fitness movement today. And then in 19, when he was 72 years of age, he comes back to this new age society and he goes to a park, right? And he's like, oh, that resembles some of the things that I do, you know? And, you know and, so, and then multiple people come over like, how did you get so not fat and so good at pull-ups? And he goes, what are pull-ups? Right, like that, that's how I, that's how I, I, it, it makes me makes me pause in that concept of experience and what we're what we're born with it's largely i think culture and environment and what we're born into but still there's that there's that biological yearn i think of navigating this environment through movement and at what intensity and what rate for what purpose you know and it used to be to get food and to to maybe uh, strengthen oneself for protection of community, protection of family, or et cetera, or to build things, right? And you didn't even know you were strengthening to build things, but you, maybe you figured it out. It's like, geez, when I throw the spear 700 times a day, my, my shoulder hurts, boss. <laughs> it's, it's always like, throw spear five times <laughs> per day. <laughs> and the old guy's like, what? You know? Anyways, so I had lots of thoughts based upon that, and I, I appreciate it. It was a good, a good contemplation. Yeah, no, I, I did, I did too, and I was, you know, I, in a certain sense, it almost kind of goes back to the Platonic idea of like, um, experience serves to awaken these things within us, but it is not necessarily the source of these things. Mm. Um, it's it's um we we are merely recollecting in a certain sense what we already know now again like we're, we're talking more like know-how instinct we're, we're not talking yeah. like yeah 
uh, mm -hmm. conceptual knowledge or something like that. You, you couldn't like, you know, no human without studying at the college level could most likely be able to describe how they're able to run, you know, yeah. the mechanics yeah. of it, you know, the biology and the metabolic pathways, but they know, they know how to, uh -huh. how to do it. Yeah. Um, and and then, our joints and bones and reflective mechanisms and everything is set up for it. Right. We didn't, you know, anyway, yeah, sorry. Continue. No, I was just going to say, yeah. And then that, that's a really interesting question you posed too about, you know, so all this stuff is, within us and then in what environment does it get expressed, right? Like, so why is it that the Maasai are, you know, great runners and then Nordic countries tend to be, you know, tend to, not universally, of course, but, you know, uh, Hopthor and Katrin, David's daughter, you know, I mean, all, all these, yeah. uh, a, a culture of strength and st strong men and strong women, is, is it just the weather? Yeah. Um, is it, is it, you know, is it language? Is it culture? What, what, mm -hmm. what leads to, interest in these different things and expression is it genetic mutations surrounding different metabolic pathways or production of muscle or are those just famous people we know from those you know what i mean like what what are the conditions that lead to that yeah it's, it's an interesting yeah. question oh it is i have uh lots uh on that particular topic actually the icelandic female uh culture and strength and uh and i i, I have i posit some ideas based upon um those uh, females uh, being born into a culture that uh, in previous times, if you go back and look at the, the you know, uh, civilization of Iceland and the government changes in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, and the robust amount of data that they have on the, uh, the population and how things operated and et cetera, it does make sense that you get these, you get the, the Annie times 65, right? Um, and of course that needs to be stretched on what I mean by that, but um, there's certainly the, the Annie-esque, right? And then we, we can ask a couple of questions. Was it Annie that did it all? It's like, oh, I, it's like the four minute mile, right? It's like, oh, that's doable. Then we can all do it. Um, I think it was bound to happen as a form of female physical expression meeting like you know all worlds meeting perfectly right the the being born into a culture that uh, cr created or warrants this and then it you know it's just showing its head and then having the opportunity it all comes together with annie missing the ring muscle ups in 2009 and then it just spawning out this an unbelievable what i think was bound to happen um, of something you just can't turn your back on. It's just, there's something there, right? It's, it's a, so I got lots to, to speak on that. I'm not sure how it ties into the experience conversation, but it's, it's fairly cool to think about, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it ties into it in the sense of like, you know, we're, we're talking about, okay, we have these innate instinctual pieces and then how, how do those ultimately get expressed? And then what culture, depending on your experience and, you know, the, the life you live, what, what leads to, you know, again, one, one culture having maybe not very much interest in strength stuff whatsoever and another culture yeah. being much more interested in running and things like that. And yeah. Thank you. Cause I was wondering, as I was mentioning, I was like, why are we discussing this? Um, it is that I think it's the combination of the conversation 
of, uh, or questioning, is it, is it only innate versus culture or was it both? And that's, I think what I'm saying is uh, epigenetics, which is really the combination of those two. Um, there's something in there, <laughs> like, i.e. there's something in the water, you know, um, Icelandic water is quite good, by the way, but um, there's something there. And I think that's why what we're discussing, you know, is it, is it only just this, like, you know, you're just born to be that way and come into it. But my, my feeling is there's a nice balance between the culture and the environment in which that gets seeded. And then it's just a beautiful <laughs> combo, you know? Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about after last episode that relates to what we were just talking about is, you know, this notion of if these capacities are, you know, innate within us and these are instincts, it seems inevitable to me that with repeated experience through the generations, just like humans want to get better at anything, you know, it'll eventually be the case. I, you know, I don't think any of us can pinpoint exactly in human history when this happened, but like, oh yeah, lifting rocks is pretty cool. I want to get better at that. <laughs> and then, you know what, I'm going to bring that to my shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. and then here we are with, uh, you know, med ball cleans and. <laughs> yeah, but it was all about intentions. I think at that point, uh, I, th I thought back to it. It was like, this is the thing, like, you know, when, when that did happen, whether they called it a rock or lifting or like became self-evident, it was like, wow, I can lift that thing up. And I felt these like, you know, that was really challenging. Uh, they could have been thinking, oh, that was like when I tried to build my home or that's like when my wife talked about having a baby or that's <laughs> when I, you know, ate those shitty leaves for three days. <laughs> I couldn't push my poop out, whatever it was called, you know, uh, they're, they, they're like, but I can tell you what didn't happen, you know, what didn't happen is that they were like, how can I, how can I tell everyone about this? How can I broadcast this? That's what didn't happen. That's the, that's the, that's the thing. There's so much inside that story of, of like, you know, I just discovered this thing and this, you know, this is what it feels like. And, but they didn't go running, you know, to tell the town, they didn't go run into town. They're like, I lifted that rock and can we somehow paint on the walls, you know, the fact that I lifted the rock, right. Can we tell everyone about it? And can I get something from that? You know, like, I think I want everyone to know that I lifted the rock. This is 2021, right? It's like, <laughs> like you joke about, it didn't happen if it's not on Instagram, right? It's like, it doesn't matter. Um, but it did happen, you know, it did happen. And it's just too bad. We don't have in physical culture, a lot of, uh, um, I think his name is Terry Todd, I believe. And his wife has done a phenomenal job with physical culture, histor historical physical culture referencing from, I think it's University of Austin or, University of Texas in Austin, I apologize if I'm, if I'm messing that up, but they did a wonderful job of that particular thing, Robbie, of uh, going back and saying like, did we experience those phys physical things? And, and what was the connection and the reason to it? And my whole point is that it's just different. The broadcasting of it is not, uh, not as important. But do you, I guess I'm curious, and, and you would certainly know more than, than I would on this. Yeah. I mean, do you think it was solely for functional purposes, purposes, like just for building a home. Like, I mean, I, part of me thinks at least some of it had to come from just, you know, for lack of a better term, dicking around, yeah. you know, climbing on a rope or lifting up, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Playing. Yeah. Play, physical challenges. Um, you know, that partners right up against 
you know, you call it dicking around, but you know, I just, just cause I read about it the other day and I, sorry, I'm not going to sidewind it, but the importance of gossip, you know, gossip was a big part of evolutionary behavior, right. As to how you kind of figure out how people are acting and what, you know, Robert Spolsky talks about it really intricately in terms of how all those primates kind of, you know, did their own inversions of gossiping anyways, but it's the same thing. I believe in this, what you call dicking around, it's called play, right? So we put it in a nicer term. Um, by the way, dicking around. I, I, Does that I, sound I, weird? In, in all reality, I, I did not mean that in any pejorative way. <laughs> just, just trying what to see if people were still around. listening out there. I think dicking around actually did possibly happen in some male locker rooms of some particular sports. Not that I would know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, to your point, I think play is uh, play is there, right? It's it's um, and, and this is this is good because it's leading us down this idea of roughhousing. And, uh, and young, you know, just to go on this one, uh, young boys at play, <laughs> that, that in itself is, I find a fascinating, like I'm, I'm very empathetic to the moms I see, you know, and the moms I talked to and the moms I consulted and, you know, and they're like my boys, right? <laughs> and they talk about like, they can't leave them alone in the home, you know, like age 10 and 12, they leave them alone in the home. They'll come back. They'll be like the shit kicked out of one another, you know? Um, yeah. and, and that's not always the case, but my whole point is, is that there's something in that, right? It's like, did they, you know, at two years of age, they see their parents like, you know, battling each other. It's like, no, it's actually really nice homes, right? Did they go to school and see this ripping of eyes all the time? It's like, no, so what is that, right? It's like a, it's a physical expression of roughhousing, right? Which, you know, if you depend upon behavioral psychologists and developmental psychologists, they would say it's helping you develop your brain, right? Personal space, security, what you can and cannot do, your own capabilities. You see that? That's, it's an experimentation of being able to figure out what you are capable of. Because you don't have the prefrontal cortex to be like, hmm, this is what I'm capable of, right? It's like, I'm just navigating, really just reaching out and kicking and throwing, just kind of figure out what, you know, how, how I relate in this environment um, to sound really generalist on it. But yeah, the play point you hit on is, is uh, powerful. Yeah, because yeah, trying to play is this, it has this nice intention to it. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I feel it. It's like, you're being physically expressive and it's there's there's an enjoyment and an expression and a creativity that's connected to it and i just really i don't know it just you know i hear hear nice songs in the background when people say play yeah i mean it's it's activity that has a purpose but as you're doing it you i mean maybe you know it has a purpose but for most kids they they don't of course they think of it as or i mean yeah. it's it's inherently kind of purposeless it's not for any particular end but that that is precisely what's so enjoyable about it is yeah. it just doing it for its own sake yeah and i mean we all feel this right humans gather twenty five thousand of us to watch the basketball players play right now there's a lot of other reasons why we're there including the hats and the popcorn but we 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 when we see it we we're attracted to it right it's like these these individuals expressing themselves physically um just trying to trying to figure shit out you know i think that's really cool yeah i love i love the uh there's a great book on it too um which talks about uh that intricate period of time too between six and ten years of age and 
what play does to uh, uh, growth factors in the brain. Very powerful, really super powerful. Um, where I would even say, you know, I get on that horse and, you know, and, <laughs> and ride that pony, if that's the right terminology, as far as possible of uh, pushing this concept of physical empowerment to young kids, right? Um, at that age is just so, so important. Anyways, yep, that's pulling back to, uh, I also took down the note of uh, uh, recollecting. Um, I don't know if that's going to come back and center us, but that was a great word you used, a platonic concept of, you know, does it just come about because we're just like pulling it, we're just pulling it out, you know, of like what it, what is. So I appreciate that. Yeah, like kids don't need to be taught how to roughhouse with each other. I mean, they need to be maybe pulled back by their parents so they don't bash each other's faces in because you know uh that that can happen sometimes but you know what i mean like they oh, yeah. they they, no. they know about how to assuming they are given sufficient food water shelter all the rest of that stuff like they will learn how to crawl they will yeah. learn how to walk they will learn yeah. how to squat yeah they will learn how to push and you know, yes different things. yes yeah. yeah um yeah because my daughters did it you know and my daughters still do it and uh just so we don't think it's i'm just you know, saying just in the boys and play and physicality, I'm not going to, it's just like people, you know, yeah. we all have that in us, you know, and we just got to remember that it's a form of play. It's a form of figuring out how you navigate this thing, you know, now, <laughs> and to bring you back to a stark pessimistic reality, look at what physical expression is to a lot of adults today. You know, I, I shed some tears when I think about that, how, constructed it is how how it just you know there's not as much of that like physical expression and creativity and enjoyment inside of inside a movement yeah and i think one thing i think about there that i that i often wonder about is going back to the point about like play and how did we come up with oh yeah one group of people likes running a lot so they start figuring out how to run better yeah, yeah. Then, you know uh one group really likes uh, strength stuff so we figure out how to do strength stuff yeah and like i feel like that's just an inevitable part of the process and then you know where where does that all go wrong you know what yeah. i mean like yeah we're, we're gonna be was, experimenting and yeah i don't know if it was inevitable because the way i thought or maybe you can clarify my argument on that wording but uh yeah because i, I we, we ran, we ran though, but we, we ran, we didn't know we were running. That makes sense. Like we were just, it's like we had to go after the animals or we had to, you know, get to school on time or, or whatever. Um, getting to school on time, probably not one, but, but then, then it's, you know, the Cooper Institute. And then they connect that to like, oh, wow, we're really weak as a population. Oh, wow. Running is hard. And they're like, aha, you know, we run because it's exercise and it's sweat and it'll keep us from being fat. So I think the, there was a long stretch in time where running, you know, because uh, what's his name? Lieberman, I believe, uh, who wrote Exercised, also wrote a previous book to that that talked about we were born to run, you know, like it's, it's in us to be able to do it now whether we express it to your point on like, you know, you're interested in the, well, how do we just get to come to lift things, you know? And I think it's the same, I think it was the same story, but I, I was caught on the word of inherent um, 
to yeah so yeah apologies for any confusion let me see if i can clear it up so i'm, I'm talking like let's even go back before culture let's go back ten thousand years like roughly speaking um and agriculture <laughs> messed everything up damn you uh, I could be wrong. This is armchair theorizing, but gosh, I feel like there's uh, some decent reasoning for believing something like this. Like humans love to experiment and figure out new ways to do things and to play around things. I don't, I think through the course of human evolution and experience, I'm sure not for the purpose of building a house, not for the purpose of hunting something down. Um, at some point, someone was playing around with running. It's like, oh, I really like that. You know, how can I do that better or lifting something? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it is through that, those are the proto versions of then, you know, what eventually becomes very long way down the line, strength sport or endurance sport or other things like that. Um, so what I'm saying there is, you know, not necessarily about the modern turn to, you know, running to not make us fat or strength sport to not mm. make us fat, but like it's, it's inevitable that we would, start experimenting with these different capabilities that we have, like, oh, I can squat. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not just doing this just to poop. Um, I'm not just doing this to sit around the campfire. Like, you know, people will, will play, they'll dance, they'll do other things and figure out, oh, I can, I can do this or that or the other thing. So, you know, I wonder to what extent this natural play and experimentation that led to these different things eventually, um, you know, at what point does it kind of go off the rafters and we get a GHD bench press? Mm -hmm. I mean, stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that'll always be the big question. At what point? I'm sure there, there's a lot of iterations along the way. Um, and that's the whole, I mean, that's the whole idea of uh, the conversation on, you know, for, for all of us that are alive today in 2021, asking this big question, like, do we need a whole ton of experience with all that practice of seemingly really creative things? to figure out how to, you know, improve our human potential or physical potential. And uh, I think, you know, where I sit on it. I don't, I don't think we do. I don't think we need all that. What seemingly looks like super creative things. Uh, I think it's just a facade in my opinion um, to moving away from the basics that are required for it. It doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it, doesn't make it not helpful to some people for enjoyment right purposes you can go back to our pleasure one to discuss what people may derive from physical expression but uh but that's that's the that's the that's it yeah and I, I mean i think this is something that can happen in other areas of endeavor too i mean there's a very similar thing happened in philosophy where you know people were asking good big questions for a long time and then now philosophy is not not all but like there's a lot of just you know minutia type questions that you know you're wondering like wait what like we started <laughs> this whole endeavor asking like what is a good life and now we're asking about like do chairs really exist like yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like what what the what um you know obviously there there are plenty of interesting and you know worthwhile modern philosophical questions around what is consciousness and animal ethics and all, all these all these different things but there, there's a whole lot of minutia that yeah I, I i think i think there is a tendency in humans no matter the endeavor to kind of like okay we've we opened up this new can of worms there's some cool stuff inside and then like go all the way down until it's like 
you know, it's, 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 it's run its course too, too far. And maybe that's kind of where we're at with, uh, creativity and fitness perhaps. Yeah, perhaps we're in the 26th episode of asking that question. (laughs) We're deep in. Right. Speaking of which that's meta right there. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear that? Those in 2199. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I wrote down, there's a, um, that based upon, you know, the roughhousing of young boys concept. Um, I think there's a, a yearning for physical expression that's inside, uh, that is human. And, uh, uh, otherwise, I mean, why would we have all those things that, you know, like I talked last time about the opportunity for, uh, maximal contractions, like why actually have the ability, right. To think about that, to create so much pressure right? There's no, there's no way we got to pass a turd. That's that, that's that dry. Speak for yourself, James. <laughs> Just kidding. <And> you can... <laughs> it was like, wow. <laughs> so you're telling me is that we need to get to 45 years of age to develop enough reps because we're going to be so dehydrated. <laughs> we need to pass turds that are like yay wide and, and like rocks. It's like, Oh, that's a, that's an evolved life right there. Um, we have our trailer no. for this episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in a period too of, uh, you know, a cognitive revolution. I like to call it like, uh, Psych, psych and cognition is, is really, really been big over the past so many years and a long period of time, right? And it doesn't mean that physicality is lost, but physicality and the concept of it is, as I said, we don't need to move as much anymore. We don't, we don't need to exercise, right? It doesn't mean that people are still not doing it, but we don't need to. But in culture, seemingly, it's kind of really important to learn things and to be smart as possible. Right. And then, and then what, 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 this is what we're dealing with, right? We're at a point in time, we're having conversations, we're philosophically talking about where these things come from. Yet we do have to recognize that it's not, it's just not common conversation to, to really dig hard on the physical, you know, what we're, what we're given physically and how to work with that, you know, inside the new culture and environment. And like I always say, you know, we should do, let's just get on with it. Right. It was okay. So we don't, we don't need to. Okay, great. What are you going to do about it? Because you can pass that big dry turd. Like you're capable of it. You know, um, I'll come up with a better example. Like I talked about for standards, remember, we'll go back to that one to tie in some logic to this, right. Two times body weight deadlift and run for two hours straight upright, right. As if you're not upright. Be, be upright on land across land two hours straight so if you don't remember that that's what i propose is like something you could just just say like is there something we can all wrap our hands around of like what we can do for for somewhat of a higher level physical expression maximal physical expression for most humans right and i think we just sell that super short where it's like oh you know just getting out of bed and and thinking real hard and learning things is a big to your point is a is a big life that that's that's the good life right it's like well where where is it that you need to be physically challenged 
why isn't that in the booklet of a good life? Right? Like you need to go out and physically challenge yourself with the things that you have innate. Cause we're saying the same thing cognitively, right? You're born with this brain. You can do all these things. You have all this potential, go out there and do it every day through vocation, challenging conversation, argument, etc. Physicality, just garden, you know, we're, you know, really, right. Or just high intensity interval, that thing. You see where I'm, see where it falls on that. That's, that's where, so we just got to be okay with that's where it is. Right. Um, and this makes us stuck with this question of like, well, how much real experience do we need to understand that maximal physical expression? <laughs> right. And uh, geez, I don't know. I don't think you need thus, you know, lots whatsoever because it's inside of you to do it, you know, and then we can get into the weeds and more, something more, I guess, intricate for us, you know, you and I, and those around us, probably those listening too, is like, well, now secondary to that, how much experience of that and conversation, et cetera, and physical experience is needed to pass on this information to others, right? Now it ties in the coach and the client and how much experience does someone need to teach it? And especially if it's, uh, you know, bumping up, as we mentioned, Robbie, against this innate thing. So if it's an innate and you can do it, how much do you really need to teach someone if they're, if it's inside of them to do, you know? And that's where culture comes in. Today, people need to be taught. Those things I was just talking about. You know, you spend many waking hours from nine to three as a child for many, many years saying, you need to be smarter. You need to be smarter. You need to be smarter. How many of those hours of the day is socially accepted for people to be like, you need to be fitter. You need to be fitter. We need to be fitter. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't, don't, no, no, no. You can't say that. No. That's too much of a burden. Doesn't make as much money unless it's sports. True. Yeah, that's true. Sad truth, but true. I think there's probably also some element of, uh, I mean, there are probably many different cultural aspects, but that kind of uh, mind-body dualism and, you know, the mind or the soul being the higher part and yes. the body being the animalistic stuff that we need to shed this mortal coil or you know what i mean like kind yeah. of leave stuff behind and yeah for sure for sure yeah you raise a really good point uh for us to think about over time where does that come from and is it from that base support of that you know is that where it arises and if it is i think we need you and i need to jam a little harder on that yeah i mean i, I again there are probably multiple causes but i i think that that probably is is one of them Hmm. Okay. Well, for another time. Yeah. That would be, but, be. Yeah. Good. Good That's to take not. that down for notes. Yeah. So, how about that experience thing? How about that experience thing? Um, so, uh, I wrote down experience can refer to a number of different things. It can mean sensory experience, it can refer to, you know, momentary visual, auditory, tactile perception. So fitness example here would be, I feel the weight of the barbell in my hand. So like when we, when we say experience, you know, with, with, philosophy, with philosophy, we're always trying to um, drill down into like, what exactly do we mean? Are we equivocating about this term? Are we actually talking about what we mean? So, you know, again, for that fitness example, it could be like, what does it feel like to bench press? What does it feel like to run? And that can be multiple different feelings within that. What is the, you know, the 
feeling my feet touching the ground or, you know, my innate aerobic capacity or, you know, uh, buildup of, you know, or getting a muscle cramp or something like that. And then another way you can talk about an experience is some sort of singular encounter of a particular kind. So the one minute stationary bike test was an excruciating experience. And there we're not talking about any one, not necessarily any one element of it, although your lungs burning are probably, well, your, your legs cramping up too. I mean, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole shebang. It's the whole, yeah. it's the whole thing together. The light, the light closing. <laughs> It was, it was saying, come into the light. And I was like, no, no. no. And, then, and then I finished. <laughs> um, and then it can also mean, and this, this relates to both fitness clients and fitness coaches, uh, proficiency. So it could have, it could uh, be that someone has a large number of encounters with a certain activity. So we, we say someone's an experienced powerlifter or Olympic lifter or marathon runner or something like that. So all, those are all the different um, notions of um, experience and, um, makes you think about what people actually know from that, you know, without this context of, is it, uh, a skill that's making the system more efficient and better, you know? So, cause experience, maybe this is just adding to it, but, or not, let me know if it's not, and we can keep moving. Um, but do you feel that in there, there could, there has to be like some judgment as to what is uh, positive to the experience. Like is the experience possibly leading to like less efficiency, you know, so someone is doing stuff over and over, but it's not actually getting better. So that's why I was saying the context of skill development and improvement and inefficiency and et cetera would then warrant, you know, us saying, Oh, that's experience. That's an experienced lifter to your point. Right. So maybe there's people that have been lifting for 20 years, but it's dog shit and they're actually not getting better. Are they experienced? Not sure if it colors it or diminishes the concept of experience. No, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know that we have a phrase for, or a similar phrase for experience, but you know, there's always that distinction between practice and perfect practice or yeah. you know, better practice or something like that. So we, we could maybe make a, a different notion of experience where one is, you know, just has engaged in the activity repeated number of times. I'm sorry. Um, gosh, I wish I remember the name of this guy. I'll have to ask Brandon. I was just thinking of there's, there's this Olympic lifting guy, like an amateur Olympic lifting guy who like as he's doing the lift, he's like, God damn motherfucker. Like as he's doing the lift and like the lift is like not that great, but he's like famous at these Olympic lifting competitions. And I just, <laughs> your comment made me think of this guy, <laughs> you know, someone who like, who has years of like actually just physically right. doing the lifts, but it's dog yeah. shit. Yeah. And he like, yeah. He yells and screams as he does it. Anyway, sorry. My apologies. No, I get it. <laughs> I have to see if I can find that. But anyway, like we can make it, we can make as philosophers do a distinction between someone who has just like encountered the same thing over and over again, yet has not gotten better at it versus someone who has become more efficient. I see what you're saying, like more yeah, efficient yeah. at what they're, yeah. is they're trying to do. Yeah. So I guess we could say that experience has to have, we're, we're going to make the presumption if you're okay with that, we can make the presumption that inside that experience, it's 
for the purpose of leading to an increase in order or uh, less chaos in the system, some kind of ordering to make the system more efficient and better. Presumably, although you get really interesting questions when you think about like, I don't know, whatever human endeavor you want, like someone getting better at badminton, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, more, more efficient for what, you know, is always going to be the question. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah. That has to, you are right. It has to have some context of experience in what, you know, yeah. but use powerlifting physicality. So I just thought that was important. Yeah. Um, another thing I was going to mention with regard to um, empiricism in general that I think will be relevant for what we discuss is um, any knowledge you gain from experience tends to have the following three characteristics. It's fallible. So it's never 100% certain. Right. So, you know, we used to think the earth was the center of the universe, but now we know it's not, but there's so many others. Uh, I mean, you know, gosh, the, the people who, who think like, your oh, snatches yeah. were good. And then you went to a competition. <laughs> right. Um, or the people who did it today who think like, oh, yeah, we, we, I feel like in every generation, it's like, oh yeah, all those people before, like they made all those mistakes and like, but we, we figured out, like I, I remember ever since a young age, I've always thought like, what's gonna be the smoking of our generation? Like what's what's the thing we yeah. think like, yeah. is it? Yeah, so, um, so it's fallible. I think it's attention. I think we're in the attention economy. Probably. Sorry to cut you, sorry to, sorry to set you off on that. Oh, no, 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 you're, you're totally fine. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's probably a, a major candidate. But by the time we realize that we won't be able to pay attention to it anymore. Now that's some meta. <laughs> that's why I chose it. Att yeah. Attention is the new smoking, period. <clears throat> it was sitting for a while. but now I know. Attention. No, we had to make it something, as you said, more meta than that. Um, knowledge we get from experience is contingent as opposed to necessary. So what do I mean by that? So in philosophy, that just means like it could have been some other way. So humans might've been able to walk on water. We might've been able to process sonar. We might've been able to see uh, near infrared light, but as a matter of fact, we can't, but you know, there could never be a square. That's also a circle. That's, that's a, what philosophers would call a necessary truth. Um, and then lastly, the from experience things must constantly be corrected and refined and uh why because the senses tend to generally be not entirely deceptive but they they can lead astray so like a bent stick in water is just a silly easy example right so we, we have to um correct what it is we're thinking so the relevance of this for philosophy but also for what we're talking about is a lot of previous thinkers, philosophers, and theologians wanted to take things like morality or math or logic or geometry or theology precisely out of the realm of experience, because if you have them in the realm of experience, they are contingent, not necessary. They are fallible, not infallible. They are, um, you know, sensory and must constantly be refined. So, you know, just just thinking about that that impulse that sometimes humans have to like pull things out and say no this this stands you know over and above experience um and therefore must be necessary it's like no if we're saying this comes from experience it has to consistently be refined it can always be changed and um yeah it's contingent 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also a wonderful uh, story example in there of that beauty between the truth and which we're trying to derive from science and an artistry of experience and trying to pull all the things together with creativity and just trying to you know, work the work against one another, but together, you know, I love that. So within your words of fallible contingent and refinement, which is what I took down as three of them. Um, it's almost like guardrails, you know, really to, to make sure that you you're in that right tension, right, right tension zone. Uh, so I, I really enjoy that. Um, I also like the fact there's three, um, and uh, makes it easy for people to think about it. And uh, there was another thought that I have based upon that, that, um, you know, uh, we probably, you know, if we wanna bring it into fitness and fitness experience, you know, you and I should come up with um, less philosophical language and more real world language for those three areas that can help people day to day with language around these three things so that they, they could learn themselves, you know, of, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not questioning people's uh, ability to understand the terms, but fallible contingent and refinement, you know, we could turn it into something that, you know, any human on the street who learns about physical expression goes, well, I know if I know what I know about my physical experience because of these three things, here's the three, you know, the three things that I use all the time to ensure, you know, this, this is, uh, this is, possibly somewhat true, right? Like my, if my experience is leading to anything that's worthwhile for me being helpful. So anyways, just that's, that's another thing I thought about in the practice of uh, transitioning from those words and then moving it into like, how, how can my wife understand that? You know, like, why can't she get those three words injected that allows her to go, yeah, right, you know? That's no, it's a good point. I, I think I have a few examples just as you were saying that that may, okay. may potentially be useful. Um, so fallible, um, you know, let's go to our standard punching bag. Um, you know, whether it's, it's CrossFit or Orange Theory or what have you, just any fitness system you think of is not the way to lighten the truth. It must always answer to experience and to the extent it does, okay, keep at it. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, that, that was, that was CrossFit's initial charge against other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's an example there. Uh, contingent. So let's take a fitness example there. Um, it could be the case that we could sustain a sprint for um, 60 minutes or two hours as humans. That, that could have been the case as a matter of fact, due to our evolutionary history, we're not, yeah. um, but it certainly could have been. And it could have been that we were really sucky at sustaining aerobic activity. Yeah but we're not. So just thinking about like, those are facts of who we are. They're not necessary facts about who we are, but those are facts about who we are. And then what do we do with that? Um, and then must constantly be corrected and refined. You know, like we've talked about um, the senses can deceive and what we feel can deceive. So, you know, that feeling you get after a wad or an orange theory session or what have you of like, Oh my God, that was so great. How do I, how do I do more of that? Like, yes, that, 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 that's a interesting, cool biological signal, but you know, we, we've got to pull back from the senses a little bit there and say, Hmm, am I supposed to be doing that over and over and over again and constantly searching for that next high? So th those are a couple that I could think of that might, might help people. Nice. Yeah. I wrote down uh, any system might work 
just try to run all out for 60 minutes and don't forget intentions. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good guardrails for people. It allows some see where experience fits into that, which can be threatening for some, right? Because I mean, a lot of us propose to have answers for individuals in their physical expression experience and learning, you know? I thought this was gonna be the answer. I thought these were the answers, you know, so. Yeah, and I mean, I, but I think that that's, it's, it, it's partly gonna be the responsibility of the coach, but it's also the responsibility of the client, like don't put shit up on a pedestal. You know what I mean? We've all, we've all done it, but like, and you know, it's a natural human propensity, but like you have to take responsibility for like nothing is necessarily the, like the one true final complete answer. Like there are things that very much lean more in one direction, but you have to be open to like, Hey, what I once thought can, can change and be revised and yeah. things like that. The fallible point, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, one other point on empiricism with relation to your point on, on guardrails that I thought would be um, useful and, and kind of connects back to what you in, in a certain way are saying about the current fitness landscape. Um, empiricists and people who you know, put experience first basically say, we have no knowledge of a particular subject outside of sensory experience. So if someone says we have a particular concept like god or fairies or fate or you know the stars influencing um our lives you know the empiricist will always come back and say like how does this answer to experience like from whence did this come you know a unicorn is like you saw a horse you saw a horn on something and then like you put the two together in imagination but you don't actually see something yeah. in experience and it's it this isn't the exact same thing but a connection i thought of with relation to fitness is kind of what you've been saying where it's kind of like okay, well, you know, we have the GHD bench press, we have all this creative stuff that kind of like was born out of things that we can innately do, squat, press, all these other things. And then, you know, a, a question that you could ask in fitness is like, how does this answer to fitness expression? How does this answer to true fitness experience? Like, is this just, um, uh, Rhetorical flourish isn't the right word, not rhetorical. You know, is it is it just fitness flourish? Is it just uh, icing on the cake? Is it sprinkles or something like that that really has no empirical connection anymore to what it is we're trying to do with with physical um, expression? So I think I think that notion from empiricism is you know at least somewhat connected to what you've been saying with regard to. Hey, how does how does the GHD bench press answer to experience? How does how does the kipping pull up answer to what should be physical expression? Um, and like you were saying, you know, this notion of guardrails of like we, we can't go too far down the creative side and lose sight of the you know basic physical expression side. So anyway, yeah. those thought I had. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that leads to uh, coaches. Uh, recognizing that you're going to do a lot of fitness expression uh, for yourself just to learn what is stupid and to learn what is useless and to learn what is folly. You know, it, it'll, it'll, you know, consistently, do you know what I'm saying? So you still have to experience it. Um, I would say as of someone who's going to be teaching others about what they need in experience to get the aha moments of physical expression. 
Um, so yeah, you need to do the bench press, you know, 135, wasn't it 135 with reps at GHD? Anyways, um, you got to do that. You know, I got to do it to go, yeah, for someone with an asymmetry and the psoas and iliacus on one side, that's a recipe for uh, some torsion on L4, L5 that I don't want to deal with, you know? So how do you make that statement, right? <laughs> you got to try the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you, you can't, uh, you can't just uh, think about it or sense it or feel it. You know, you got to, you got to do that for you to be in the position to, to teach others about, you know, the guardrail. So I guess what's inside that too, is maybe there needs to be um, an experience on behalf of a coach, almost sacrifice more or less in order for us to be able to educate and to make people more aware of what these, what these things are that they're going to, they're going to have to put in place as guardrails for their physical expression. So they can go what's useful and what's really just a crock of shit that is not, you know, useful, useful whatsoever for me over time, you know, regardless of the whole intention thing, <laughs> you know, but, but in terms of practice of physical expression uh, constantly, yeah, I think that that's what I think about for where coaches fit in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Like, and, you know, coaches, yeah, in a, in a certain sense are the sacrificial lamb that can help at least currently ordinary folks figure out yes creatively yeah design things that are useless from things that seem less creative but are useful now, 60 now, minute bike test versus battle ropes yeah now on the back end of that <laughs> this is reality 98 percent of all fitness professionals don't do the experience that leads to them going now i did this you don't need to do this instead it's the opposite it's like I did this. I got popular doing it. People really liked me. They really liked when I did it. Therefore, it's going to keep you motivated by you doing the same thing. And I'm going to cherry pick research that gets piled on top of you doing that and wrap a whole bunch of community and culture of, of uh, needs and wants around it. And here you go. You've got current fitness today. So as much as I'd love to make that seem utopic, I'm very pessimistic in terms of how that gets passed on to the majority. Would you agree, disagree, or thoughts on that? No, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think as it's practiced today, certainly with Instagram and other things. Yeah. I think it was the other day on Shark Tank. I mean, gosh, I, I can't imagine this person is listening, but if they are at any point, I don't mean to, you know, denigrate your fitness device or whatever, you know, and however it is you came about it, but there's something on shark tank, this person, uh, you know, she had, she'd come up with like a thing that it's basically, it's, it's like a sandbag that mimics like a, a fire hose rope uh, or a fire hose, excuse me. And like, okay, yeah, you can do tosses like that. And yeah, yeah. presses and oh, okay, cool. You raise the roof. Exactly. Um, you know, and there's a whole online fitness community around that. And, um, you know, I'm sure she's making a bunch of money from it, but I mean, there, there's, there's a bunch of different things, things like that. So yes, I do think um, that's very prevalent today. I, a question I did have for you around that, that I thought would be interesting, both for coaches and clients is, so you're right, we should go out and experience, you know, as much as we can, but like, where, where are the guardrails on that? Right. Am I, should I be going out and doing the, the fitness ladies, uh, fire hose thing? Should I be going uh, up for or orange theory? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's where we currently are today. 
we signed we signed up for that, and I, I don't think that over time there'll be enough um, intuition or even uh, text and academic uh, literature that would give us some answers. So I think it's up to us sacrificing our minds and bodies, possibly to a certain extent. Um, I think that's the only way we're going to come to some understanding as to what is right and what is the truth and what is what we do know as being truths inside of fitness. Um, I feel very strongly about that. I know that I'm, you know, going through a story, you know, uh, think of it as like a story that's almost written and every day that I participate in physical experience. And as I grow older, I, I want to be that person who tells that particular story of what this will lead to, right? It's just not, there's not a lot of people who are having that discussion for multiple different reasons we talked about before, systems institution and the market appeal and the basics around uh, the lack of excitement around the truths, et cetera. But um, yeah, I think that's the only way through is, uh, is for us to sacrifice and to go through that. And I would even say to the, to the, from my experience, you know, which I don't ever uh, have any resentment about or, uh, or issues with is uh, going to those really deep levels like I did in CrossFit, you know, that offers aha moments. But I, I'm doing, I did that, I didn't do it purposely so I could teach others, but now that I'm here, I'm sure shit happy that I pushed it to that extent, almost to the point where I believe I'll have metabolic and, and, um, you know, some issues long-term, I believe based upon that, but it, you know, so I think that's the only way through is, is to have enough individuals that are willing to speak about those experiences and uh, be vulnerable and brave in that attempt, you know, to be able to say like, I did this, you know, this stupid shit, but doesn't mean you need to do it. And let me tell you why, you know? Um, so I don't think we can rely on us just being, you know, just diddly daddling around and waiting for, just waiting for the data to show up, you know? See, I told you slow resistance and easy aerobic work is, is best for most people. So what you're saying is you and I will be signing up for like a surfboard fitness class with Zumba and we will be doing it solely for research purposes. Pretty much. To tell people, hey, this is fun, but a crock of shit when it comes to fitness. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, you know, as I mentioned, there's the 98% other fitness professional who does, hey, I've tried this new thing you should check it out because, you know, it's all about movement and here, you know, some people may not be able to do this. So here's their accessibility to the movement. That's how now I'm going to sell it. Right. Like to the fire rope example, I'm, I don't pull any punches with that. That's stupid. That's a bad idea in my opinion. So it, it, you've got to come down to judgment on what's the context around or the awareness in it. And you know, where I sit just personally, I hate the mediocre. Well, it's going to help people move. It's like, give me a break. Like that's just, that's weak in my opinion. That's my personal opinion, but, um, you know, so I, I think we will be participating in those things, i.e. the fire hose shoulder overhead classes, uh, mixed with burpees. Of course, burpees are in everything right now. So it's, you know, burpees are inside the, uh, Peloton prescription at home. Oh, really? With wow. little dumbbells. Yeah. Well, they got them off their bike now, um, doing stuff. Good stuff. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So we got to experiment. Right? We got to spend the money. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, I mean that 
does make sense to me, at least to a certain extent, although I, I, I do wonder practically, but also epistemologically, like going back to your point you were making earlier about like experience, like is the better fitness coach, the one who's been sitting inside basic strength work and basic aerobic stuff for a long time and has a lot of good experience with that. And then occasionally touches like, oh yeah, I'm going to try CrossFit, see if that has anything in it, Orange Theory, surfboards, what, what have you. Or there's another one where you just say, oh, new experiences are all that there is to be had. And like in our current landscape, you could never get deep in anything, right? If you're trying everything all the time, like you, you can't get deep in anything because there's just yeah. so much coming around. So I wonder the extent to which like, yeah, we've got to touch it like an OPEX experience. We've got to like see it if we haven't before. Yeah. But to what extent can we make generalizations once we've done that about the thousand or so other things that are just different iterations of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the, you know, you're going to have most of your clients show up over the next 30 years that have access, even if they don't think they can or cannot do it, they have access to all these new tools. So that's one thing that fights against it. Secondly, um, I think that it should be less about the modality and what's inside in terms of the experiences. I think that the coach needs to be the role model of consistency. So it actually will play itself out. If you, you can go and play with all those other things, I believe. Right. Um, and you will just come to a, you know, a, um, a resolution with that personally, like you and I have is like, well, we can only touch that so much because I want to be consistent. So if consistency is the overarching thing, which a lot of, you know, I just keep thinking of the over fat weightlifting coach who sits in the corner at 54 years of age, right. With two rehabilitated knees and talks about health. It's like, come on, right. Like, come on, tell everyone the truth as to why you choose cycling now as your activity five times a week and swimming, right. Like, don't be afraid to discuss what all those experiments to the deep level of expression led to for this definition of longevity and consistency. So if you can, you define consistency as barely hanging on for the last 50 years, you're not, we're not, we're not talking about the same word here. Right. So I think Robbie, it's less about how much you should delve into that. And that's, I love the way you propose that only absolute strength and easy aerobic work. That's all your experiences as a coach. I still do believe that's enough to go on. I do really think that there's enough if people are strong enough in their belief, right? That that's all you need. I'll still start with that. But the, the fact is the culture will have all of these possible modalities as experiences that you can't only, you know, say the, the truth is here right? This is the truth. It will get you all of that, you know, because they'll go, how do you, how do you know that? So you can, you can add a personal story or you can add a personal story. Plus all the other coaches may say the same thing, right? It's like, listen, we know this much to be true, <laughs> right? We tried this whole thing and based upon defining health and general health measures, it doesn't work. So, you know, let me, let me tell you this, right? All you need is absolute strength and easy aerobic work. And you, there are going to come times four weeks down the road. I can tell you in 32 days, exactly. Actually, the data shows that you're going to say, but Janice is doing that, you know, and uh, you're going to need to have uh, the ability to converse with Janice on that. Right. And, and to come back to my gym and be like, now that's why I do bicep curls. Right. Like, so 
that I think there's a, yeah. So the words I hopefully pulled out in that long answer was it's less about the experience and all the various modalities. It's you being aware of the culture as to what questions you're going to get. And secondarily defined by consistency, right? Consistency of experiences, right? Like how, how powerful is my word if I'm not consistently working out every morning for two hours, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to define this concept of my storybook, right? For 15,000 expressions or, or sessions in a lifetime. Right. And what happens if something stops short in there? Well, that's it. I, you know, I, something within it is probably not the right idea because I couldn't continue to do it. You know, so um, yeah. Anyways, hope to pull something from that. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, can you imagine if we went to the surfboard fitness class and we came out and we were like, you know what? That that's it. <laughs> All of human history with physical expression. That was just that was wrong. We we want to be open to new experiences and new ways of thinking. Surfboard fitness. There you go. Listen, I am. Uh, it's well, it's far from surfboard fitness, but. It does capture a couple of things that I will tell you I've personally gone through over the past year with my daughter, uh, rock climbing. In that there's so much, cause surfboard fitness, right? Um, depending on how it's done, we all go out and learn how to ride waves and it's in the ocean versus being in class on this mechanical, like, ooh, you know, with uh, beach boys playing in the background. <laughs> I'm sure current, like surfboard music is, how bad is that? Anyways. Um, I'm sure it's punk like it is for skateboard shops, right? Probably. They still play those, by the way. Those videos, uh, skateboard videos on in the surf, in the, in the skate shops. Oh, yeah, I totally believe that. it. Man, I I, I'm just like, <laughs> I just stuck there for an hour every time. I shit you not, maybe it's not an hour, but I'm like glued for 10 minutes just watching these, these physical, physical, challenges unbelievable solution thing anyways back to my point i've been experiencing this in nature right uh i.e this this uh you know somewhat you know natural instinct of just climbing over things and traversing right and doing it with my daughter in a constructive manner of you know ropes and hooks and hanging on the rock and being outside but it's nature and you know like the the stuff that I'm developing on my fingers when I'm outside relative to indoors, you know, and what we experienced, we went on our own climbing outside just North here uh, last or a couple of weeks ago. And I had to carry a big pack, you know, cause my daughter couldn't carry all the gear. She's carried her water bottle, which is fairly heavy, but uh, carried a big pack. And I had to do lots of lunges and climbing and traversing, right. A lot of pulling on specific weeds, to be able to get myself up with the pack, you know, cause I couldn't just do it with my lower body. And then we put the pack down and then we try a bunch of these things. And I'm, so you're, you're lifting yourself, right? You're doing resistance against it. My whole point is that um, I have opened up a deeper appreciation to people trying to create these natural opportunities for individuals, right? Like I know we're making fun of it with surf surfing class, but I think there is a spot in there for us to open our eyes to what's outside the gym in a natural environment that could give us this, uh, this deeper connection to our intention around physical expression. I, of course, compress it down to, you know, walk in the sun and lift rocks, but it's not much more than that, you know? 
that could be really powerful for people. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wonder about that too. And again, it kind of goes back to that question I was having that I'm still pondering over like, okay, so climbing things is a natural activity. Humans are able to climb trees and rocks, but like, you know, we didn't evolve with chalk. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't eventually have these climbing walls where they've got like special little, you know what I mean? Like, but that all seems like a, a good thing. It's, it's fun to practice. It's a, it's a cool new skill. Like, and, and that happens in many other areas of endeavor where like you take this natural thing and you've, you've morphed it and you give other people access to it and maybe a, a safer environment or a different yeah. way to do it. And like, there are examples of that where it seems, you know, virtuous or at the very least, not certainly not vicious or problematic. And then there's like stuff where it goes off the rails and it's like, it, it's too divorced mm-hmm. from, um, from what we were naturally doing. So that, that is an interesting question to me that I don't know that there are hard and fast general answers for, but I do think about that with physical expression, like how far do we pull from where it originally was to something else? Yep. Uh, gosh. I'm just trying, <laughs> as I keep going here, I'm trying to see how this ties into our overall conversation on experience. Um, Cause you proposed some challenging things. I spent a lot of time thinking about um, cause it lies at the, something that's really important to me in terms of your intentions of movement, you know? So I mean, I'll just if, say that I'm down. I just downloaded what you mentioned there. I'm just going to save it for another, another area for a conversation. Yeah, no, that totally makes it sense. Does, I mean, but it does, it does, I'll just say it does lend into just making people who are listening to say, just open your eyes to what experience is. That's, that's what I want, you know, to like, how do you come to know, uh, what you just mentioned, you know, cause I could go on and on about it, about climbing outside. Cause we, you know, Hannah and I boulder, you know, in or locally with nothing, we just walk to it and boulder. Right. So now it's like, well, that's a little bit, those are holds that are, that you got to figure out, right. They're, they're not in place. They're not, you know, so you got to figure out how to create that challenge. So it's, uh, I'm just making mention of that, you know, keep, keep, keep trying to figure out um, what are these as close to primal, natural, physical expressions as possible. And that will help you tie into the reason behind why we're doing physical activity. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I guess the connection for me to experience besides the one you just mentioned, which is a good one, is this notion that I personally think, and I'm willing to be, you know, wrong on this, but inherent in the notion of us doing any activity that we would naturally do is the notion of play and experimenting and all these different things like skateboarding came from somewhere. Yeah. BMX biking and rollerblading, like all these things came from somewhere yeah. and it wasn't some supernatural weird force. It was us playing around with these different things. And so through repeated experience, these things came about and like, you know, just asking the question around how, did one area of endeavor go completely awry and another be just a cool way to express yourself in different ways and just thinking about that. So, yeah. And I I love the, I thought about uh, back to the future, Michael J. Fox with going back and uh, was it the, yeah. Anyways, they were really surprised by his skateboarding ability. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, and I thought what a wonderful way, even if it was intentional or not, what a wonderful way to propose what seemingly looks like, and as well, when he was on stage going at it with the guitar, right? Remember Johnny B. Good? I think that's what he was doing, Johnny B. Good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just those two, like, 
how did that audience at that time perceive that? Do you see that? It seemed like gobbledygook, like, oh, how, how ugly and disgusting that is, right? Meaning like, it looks so, look at him, he's so creative and yet it's loud and boisterous, both the skateboarding and the playing the guitar, right? But you see how it's become this like, I just think about those things, it's a wonderful way for you to understand that in the current time where you are largely dictates how you perceive what these, what these expressions are, right? Yeah. And, that, and like, I love the skateboarding example, man. Uh, another, another thing for another time, maybe in terms of aesthetics, really, um, and how that fits in, but just so much freedom and creativity. And like, to your point as well, indirectly, uh, why people, uh, I spoke to Ben Kelly, who was Australian, came over in the Northeast, CrossFit coach, been there for a while, you know, I, and I kind of mumbled to him, like, what do people get out of surfing, you know? Um, and then he explained it to me eloquently, just a couple of minutes. And I was floored by what I did not know in terms of the natural environment and what it offers as challenges. And I just saw this, like, it, it gave me goosebumps to think you could honestly go out every day and never get the same challenge. Think about that. And think how compressed and reductionist it is to do a bicep curl with a 35 pound dumbbell. You know, see, see, see the stark difference in that, you know, and it brings in your point on our love around play and what could be innate to us to just figure these, have these physical challenges, you know, and to be able to do that. Um, anyways, I just find that uh, I appreciate you making me spend some time thinking about that wonderful aha moment of the surf class. No, yeah, it's a, it's a great discussion. It really, yeah, forces one to think about like, Play. Yeah, play. Yeah. Yeah. And leading to experience and what does play offer? And yeah, it's great. I'm glad, I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad it indirectly moved that way. Yeah. Play always makes play whenever I say it, I don't know why it's like the little, you know, you open up the box and the, the dance, the little girls dancing in there. Ding, 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 ding. Like it just gives me happy, you know, happy thoughts. I'm currently watching uh, handmaid's tale. Margaret Atwood's depiction uh, brought to Hulu. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that is that is quite the uh, difference from play. That is like that is dystopic. No, no, no. I'm tying it in. Let me tie it in, Robbie. That's unfair. Um, remember the uh, uh, the 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 wife of Fred in the home, wife of the commander. Uh, she gives the handmaid the the box with the little dancer in the first season. Maybe it's... I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I've just seen trailers. Oh, shit, Okay, well, that's why you don't know. But that yeah. she gave her that, and that sound, you know, she goes to sleep at night with it, and it gives her some. It's a, it's a, it's just a it's a it's an idea of like a, this little touch on reality. It's actually masochistic on behalf of the woman who gives it to her because <laughs> she's under this totalitarian regime, you know, um, inside this house, basically being pillaged and raped and basically used as this like fertile <laughs> oven. Um, and only seen as that. And uh, yet there's this, you know, little ding, 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 you know, anyways, for those who've seen it, you'll understand what I mean of those nice feelings that come with that word play. Uh, gosh, I apologize. I took everyone in that area. No, that's okay. okay. Now play, I mean, yeah, it's got a great association with it. And yeah, we all need to yeah. do more of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, 
maybe to summarize or get to our summarizing, um, maybe that's what we understand around it is, uh, is this nice balance between uh, culture and what's innate. Um, and this beauty maybe of the triad in that is uh, um, play, you know, maybe play is the third part of the triangle of what's innate and what's culture and environment. And this experimentation of play is maybe the mediator, you know, the, the minana that kind of balances those things out where with play and enough quote unquote experience, it can lead you to all these really positive affirmations of what's, what is good physical expression. Yeah. Taking those instincts that we have and putting them into practice and uh, seeing what new things you can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was a good one. Yeah. Do I hear animals or children? Uh, I hope that's not a child. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, that is uh, my dog losing it in the background. Is, is it time for a walk? Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's a, it's a beautiful day. So yeah, uh, that dog but, heard play and that's all the dog needed, you know, pretty much. First so. time I say it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what play means. <laughs> She's agreeing with you, James. She's yeah. like, yes, I, I agree. So. Awesome. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I love the, uh, the uh, fallible contingent refinement piece to it. Um, I saw a lot of systematics, you know, play out of your conversation today, which is really nice for me personally. I love, you know, having the third eye, I guess, looking at the conversation and just seeing the function being will of a bunch of those things just play out. I really appreciated that. Um, the fact that we got to talk about uh, play fitting in somehow, which I didn't, I didn't think was going to come up. And um, yeah, still doesn't uh, make me sleep good at night um, about the answers we have to what to do with this conundrum of, <laughs> of what experience is. But uh, it strengthens my belief in, in that as to what I do going forward. And it gives me better language to help help people. So I appreciate it. No, me, me too. And uh, that actually, the fact that you're not able to sleep well because of it is actually a sign we're doing it correctly because that's that's what philosophy does. It actually, it ruins. That's right. <laughs> Eternal sunshine of the op- of the spotless mind. <laughs> These questions just make it harder to sleep. So bright. More anxious. So bright. <laughs> the examined life is not worth living and neither is the... Or the unexamined life is not worth living in either is the examined one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good stuff, Robbie. Okay. Uh, we'll package this one up and uh, don't uh, forget to uh, uh, like us because we need to be liked. We, yeah. uh, we like being liked. We like when people sign up to our free information. Um, we like commentary on uh your phone on the internet with your thumbs with letters and words yeah james and i are actually for those of you who don't know we are actually pretty advanced ai bots and we actually will cease to exist should we not get sufficient likes comments and subscribe so mm-hmm. just just putting that out there yeah and every bit of your connection to us will not exist as well yeah Maybe that makes people feel less sympathetic for us. Not <laughs> that they know we're not human, but we're just AI bots. True. True. But like, comment, and subscribe. Smash that button. Yeah.
right there. Right there, right there. Where, where, what? Over here. <laughs> All, right. All right, buddy. Let's, uh, I'll package this up and we, trans we transfer, as in uh, me and everyone else here. We'll transfer it to you. Awesome. And, uh, we'll see you, uh, see you on the other side. All right. Talk to you later. Take care.